Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And I would like to ask you to stand in honor of God's word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance, the race that is marked before us. Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Karibu Pasi. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Muthoni. I have traveled around the world, and I've met no one who surpasses you when it comes to a scripture reading. So thank you so much for reading the word, bringing it to life. Amen? I am not kidding. How am I? I am speaking the truth. I really appreciate the worship team. Thank you so much for leading us in worship. Uh, but even more so for that last song that you sang. And I was just thinking, can you imagine if men were part of that group, the bass that would just come to that song, men, it would just be so beautiful. So if you're a man and you can sing, uh, see Pastor Cafe so that you can have a discussion uh, with her. But uh, I wanted to say something about this. Uh, please forgive us for overemphasizing this. But marriage is very, very important to us here at Mamlaka Hill Chapel. Your marriage is important. And we are so committed to investing in it because we believe if it does well, this church will do well. So um, sign up. What we are trying to say is that this uh, event is not an option if you call Mamlaka Hill your church, okay? It's not an, an option. It is required. It's a required course. So we are going to expect all of our uh, couples to attend. Uh, secondly, if you can't afford to come to this event, we are prepared to ensure that we pay for you. So you just see one of our pastors and say, I would like to come by that 1,000 Bob Jakuna, and we will make sure that you are part of this. Secondly, it's an outreach program for us, an outreach event rather for us, so if you know of couples out there who don't go to church or don't uh, come to Mamlaka Hill Chapel, invite them. The couples that you invite here who don't go to this church, we will ensure that they attend for free. Okay? So uh, let's hold our hands together and, uh, and encourage one another as couples and come to ensure that this event is well attended and, uh, and serves our, our community well. Now, when many of you were busy, engaged with politics, you are following very, very closely the things that were happening, uh, engaged with, uh, uh, with Azmio, engaged with Kenya Kwanzaa, engaged with uh, uh, 
what's the, the green movement, the green stuff movement. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, uh, engaged. And, and uh, every evening you are glued on TV. You did something good, you are patriotic. I, on the other hand, was glued to something else that also expresses my being a patriotic Kenyan. I was in Birmingham, not physically, but when it comes to watching TV. In fact, I traveled all the way to the Commonwealth Games. And uh, to support the Kenyan team that was participating in the Commonwealth Games. Did you know that there was a Commonwealth Games going on? I'm sure that you didn't. Because you are doing the right thing, you are involved in politics. But don't worry, I was there to represent you. So what I've thought uh, about doing this afternoon is to show you some of the things that were happening, what you missed, and stuff of that nature. All right? So let's have the media team just show us one of the races that was really, really beautiful. The slower it is, the real 800 specialists come into play. Keeley can do anything. Women's 800 meter final. Well, Paula Radcliffe is sitting alongside me here, and Keely Hodgkinson will know that there is massive expectation on her here, but she can deliver. She can deliver, and this is amongst the first time that she's come into a major championship final as the expected. One ahead is a Kenyan. And she will be reasonably happy with that. I think Mora going straight to the front and pushing it on. And Mary Mora has gone to the back of the field. So Natoya Gould now trying to do what she loves to do, stretch it out. She's looked much better coming to these championships. And Keeley's in the perfect place. But Laura Muir could be there to strike. But the pace is fast and it's quick. And Mora's coming back again. Keep your eye on the Kenyan. Accelerate away from here. If she was ahead of Mora, the top of the home straight, she'll always tend to beat her. Mora is going to come strong on. The Kenyan has got something extra. She's the strongest I've ever seen in the home straight, Mary Mora. And she's going to come away. To take the gold medal, Mary Mora with an incredible performance. Now you can imagine that that's not fresh, it's old news. <laughs> so you can imagine what was happening to me at the time. I almost broke my TV, but uh, my TV still lives. As you can tell, I am a great lover of sports. And there are many reasons why I love sports. But one of the reasons why I'm a great enthusiast of sports is the fact that one of my biblical heroes, that is the Apostle Paul, was a sports lover. And you can be able to tell that he was a sports lover when you look at the New Testament, what we call the Pauline Epistles. He talks much in terms of describing our relationship with God by using uh, sporting images, using sporting uh, uh, metaphors to communicate uh, truth. Uh, for example, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26, speaking about his walk and his, uh, 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 his journey as a Christian, he says, And I do not run as one who runs aimlessly. And then he says, when it comes to boxing, I do not box like one hitting the air. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, the Galatians were walking away from the truth that had been revealed to them and they were beginning to embrace false doctrine 
And he brings in a sporting imagery and asks them, you began running the race so well. What is it that has uh, interfered with your running? And so when you read the epistles and most of scripture, you're going to encounter sporting imageries designed to help us to understand a truth. It's no different from the passage of scripture that Pastor Mudoni read for us in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews chapter 12, the author of the book wanted to communicate a very important truth to his readers. In fact, it was an urgent message that he wanted to communicate. And he falls back to this sporting imagery to be able to make it clear this message, this, this important message to his readers. You see, his readers had become believers. And when they became Christians, they were so enthusiastic about their faith. They were all over talking about their experience as new Christians. But as time progressed, they found themselves in difficult times. There was too much persecution. They were experiencing pain. And many of them were being discriminated against. And life was difficult. It was difficult for them to make it in life because of their faith in Christ. And so many of them were faced with the temptation of quitting their Christianity. They were at the point of uh, giving up their walk with the Lord because they could not see that uh, they, they could not see their Christian faith helping them to survive in these difficult times. And so the author of the book of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to write to them this urgent message, and that is to challenge them. Don't give up your faith. Hang in there. And to be able to make it clear so that they could understand, he falls back to a sporting imagery, to a sporting uh, metaphor. And he takes uh, uh, three similarities or makes three similarities between those who participate in a sporting activity such as an athletic race and our journey as Christians. Three things that are very similar in order to help these believers who, like many believers in our day to day, are at the verge of giving up their Christian walk because of all the turmoil that we find ourselves in, whether personally, socially, uh, culturally, even politically, but even more so economically. And you are at the point of saying Christianity is of no value to me because I'm not progressing in life. And why am I not progressing? Is because of the principles that come out of Scripture that I stand on. And you are about to throw away your walk with God because of that. Then he comes in and says, wait a minute. Don't do that. Hang in there. Stay, stay tough. But for you to understand and for me to understand, he takes us into an athletic uh, field where he compares our journey as Christians to that of an athlete in a sporting stadium. Three things that he points out that are similar. And the first thing that he points out is that participants in both the Christian race and the athletic race must have one thing in common if they are going to win the race 
or if they are going to finish the race. And that is endurance. Endurance. Endurance is critical for any runner if she or he is going to finish, live alone, win the race. I'm sure if you are to talk to many people like I who sat in front of our TVs and watched the Commonwealth game and particularly watched Mary Mora win that race, many of you would probably say she won because she had a strategy. She had a plan of what she was going to do in order to win that race. And if you look at the whole race, there's no doubt there was some strategy in that. But it is also my conviction that strategy alone did not make Mary Mora to win that race. I believe she won that race because she had or she has this invaluable quality that all of us need in life, otherwise known as endurance. Endurance. You see, I don't believe that you can be able to succeed in your Christian life, in your Christian work, if you do not have endurance. And the author of the book of Hebrews says to us that if we are going to win the race, if we are going to hang in there and survive the turmoil and the difficulties and the challenges and the temptations that beat upon our Christian life, it was, it's going to be because you and I have this quality known as endurance. In fact, he says, and let us run with endurance the race that has been set before us. Now, the word endure uh, is a word that is translated in our Bibles as patience or perseverance. In the old Greek language, the word literally meant to bear under pressure of something. To bear under pressure of something. And therefore we could say that endurance is your ability and my ability to endure difficult circumstances uh, with a determination to push on regardless of what we are experiencing in life whether good circumstances or bad circumstances, we are determined to steadily move on, to pursue to the very end. That is endurance. That is perseverance. And that is what the writer of Hebrews is writing when he says that if you and I are going to complete our journey as believers, it is going to be because of the fact that we have endurance uh, in us. When he talks about uh, uh, running and the race in this passage of scripture, I, I don't believe that in his mind he thought about a sprint or what we call the short races. For those of you who do not know, we have what we call long distance races and we have got what we call the short distance races. 100 meters, 200 meters, those are considered sprint, short races. But we also have things such as the marathon, 800 meters, uh, 3,000 steeplechase, uh, 1,500 meters, 5,000. All those are considered what? Long distance races. When he talks to us about the race and compares it to our Christian walk, I believe he's not talking about the short distance races. He's referring to the long distance 
races. Let me see if I can be able to explain to you what he's talking about here. Many years back in my life, I used to be a runner. Now, this is not a fake story. It's absolutely true. And at, at a certain point, I was chosen. I was chosen. I mean, I, I beat everybody in school, and so I was chosen to go and represent the school, primary school, that is, to go and represent them in the 100 meters because I was a sprint runner. And uh, this race, or rather this competition, was going to be held, or rather was held, at the Nairobi City Stadium. Now, some of you are looking at me wondering, what's so special about that? Well, at that time, we did not have Nyayo Stadium. We didn't have Kasarani Stadium. The only special place where competitions took place was Nairobi City Stadium. As you can imagine, to enter Nairobi City Stadium was the dream of every young boy. And here I was, chosen to go and represent our school in the 100-meter dash. Do you know what it meant for me to enter Nairobi City Stadium? and to touch the turf where AFC and Gormahia used to play football, it was priceless. And yes, on that day, the stadium was full. Because for those of you who grew up in Island, you know we had schools such as St. Patrick's. We had schools such as Dr. Kraft, uh, uh, Morrison. We had St. John. We had all these schools, and they were all gathered at the Nairobi City Stadium. Richard Munala had been chosen to represent one of those schools in the 100 meters. Imagine all these people gathered, blue, red, it was just colorful all throughout. And I was there at the Nairobi City Stadium, as the one representing my school in the 100 meter dash. They said, On your marks, when my race came, set. And when they sounded that gun, I was up in the air. And before long, I was fulfilling that cost bus motto, which says, we lead and others follow. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that maybe I fell down. That race ended just the way that it began. I won the race for my school. Yes, you can do that. Thank you. And people did just what you have done right now. Everybody was all over me from my school. They were cheering me on. They were calling me and all kinds, all kinds of good things. My uh, coach teacher was all over me because we hadn't won 100 meters, I think, since the school was... was I, I, this was the first time. So it was a big deal. Later on that afternoon, uh, we were to compete in the 800 meters. And the person who was supposed to compete in the 800 meters got sick. They couldn't compete. So we were scrambling around trying to find who is it that can help us because we must have someone competing in the 800 meters. You guessed it right. 
church. They were looking at me. You are the one who did so well in the 100 meters. Why don't you represent us in the 800? This time, because of all the praise and all the... I was glowing in pride. It was about me beating up my chest. So I said, why not? So we started the 800 meters. And as you would imagine, as a sprinter, I started off pretty fast. And I was ahead of the pack. But that lasted only 100 meters. Because after the 100 meters, I was out of gas. And the rest of the group just came and passed me. Before long, when I was hitting close to finishing the 400 meters, they were almost finishing the 800 meters. And everybody in the stadium, all these green and red and white shirts, were booing me. This, I should have left the stadium a hero by just understanding that there is a difference between a sprint and a long distance. But I couldn't resist that. The writer of the book of Hebrews takes that analogy and reminds us that our race is not a short distance race. It is a marathon. And so you could be here in this church today. The worship team has led us beautifully. You have sung songs of worship and you feel pumped up spiritually. But let me remind you that Tuesday is coming. Or Wednesday is coming. Leave alone Tuesday because it's a holiday. <laughs> Wednesday is coming. And you are going to be at work. And you are going to face that very employer who doesn't appreciate your work. You are going to face that fellow employee who works against you and who hates you. And you are going to be expected to live out your Christian life towards that particular individual. Why am I saying this? Because your Christianity will not end today. It is a marathon. Three months from now, you, you are going to pray for something special to happen in your life. And you know what's going to happen? God is going to answer that prayer. One year from now, you are going to pray about something. You know what's going to happen? God is going to delay answering that prayer. Will you give up when God delays to answer you, your prayers? If you give up, it means that you are involved in a sprint when it comes to the Christian faith. You are not involved in a marathon. And the author of the book of Hebrews wants us to remember that our race is not a short distance race. It is a long distance race. It is a marathon. And you and I must keep at it, must uh, 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 understand that tomorrow comes with its own challenges, with its own temptations, but you will stand firm. Regardless of the good things that the Lord did yesterday, tomorrow I will still be standing firm in the Lord. Listen, when you think of a runner, a runner must master external and internal challenges. External challenges such as rain and unexpected uh, heavy wind that will try to beat up on him or her as they try to run the marathon. But they must be able to master and to control those kind of external challenges in order for them to finish the race and to win the race. But they, may, they, but they also must be able to master what I call internal challenges. Things such as fatigue and pain and discouragement and maybe sometimes jeers from unfriendly spectators. In the same way, in the Christian race, 
If you are going to win the race, it is going to be because you master external circumstances that will beat up on your spiritual life. You must be able to master internal uh, uh, challenges that will beat up on your life, bringing you to a place of temptation to quit your run, to quit your, 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 your running uh, for, 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 for the Lord. Many of us started off our spiritual run very well. You recall when you bowed down and you said, Jesus, I accept you as my personal savior. And you are released into the world. And you went into the world with steam. You wanted to share with everybody that you came in contact with about your newfound faith. You wanted to live right. You are telling people, I don't do that no more. I am a changed person. I belong to Jesus Christ. You are in your local church and you are involved in doing one or two or three things to help the church to grow. But over time, temptation began to beat up on your spiritual life. And the cares of this world began to beat up on your spiritual life. And you found yourself at the verge, or you find, or you find yourself today at the verge of giving up your spiritual walk with the Lord. Perhaps many of you may know the name Billy Graham. If you don't know Billy Graham, shame on you. <laughs> but I know that you do know Billy Graham. He was perhaps one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived here on earth. What many of you may not know is that in 19... 45, 46, has a young man. Bill Graham had two friends, very close friends. They had become believers around the same time. And so they were walking together. One of them was called Church Templeton. The other one was called Brad Crawford. Church Templeton was an even better preacher and evangelist than both Bill Graham and Brad. In fact, one of the Christian magazines of the time, in 1945, they were writing magazines there. I don't think they were doing them here. But they were writing them there. They wrote an article about Church Templeton as perhaps one of the greatest uh, preachers of the days or, or years to come. But five years after that article was written, Templeton had gone back to the world. His spiritual house had been beaten with temptations and he reached a point where he said, I don't believe in God. Brad Crawford, on the other hand, ended up becoming a pastor of a local church and did very well for the church until, again, the cares of the world beat up on his house so heavy that he gave up, ended up being an alcoholic and died an alcoholic. Three friends who started off the journey with great enthusiasm together, excited about the Lord and the Lord's work. But in the end, we today talk about one of them, Billy Graham, who endured. If you have ever read the biography of Billy Graham, you'll know that his Christian life was not handed to him on a silver plate. He worked hard and, uh, and, and pursued his walk 
with the Lord until the time that he departed from this earth. Many of us start off well, but in the end, we fell apart. Are you falling apart? Are the pressures of this world, the challenges, the difficulties, the unfriendliness of this world tempting you to say, I can do better than being a Christian? The writer of the, the book of Hebrews says and challenges you, stay on, stick in, don't give up. In fact, he tells us there is a reason why I'm saying you should not give up. The reason I'm saying you should not give up is because I believe you and I can be able to endure. You say, endurance is so difficult, we cannot be able to endure. He says, no, you and I can be able to endure. You know why? Because we have a cloud of witnesses. People who endured, and if they endured, they are a testimony to us that we too can endure. He says, um, he says in, in verse 1 actually, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses, who are these? You see, in chapter 11, before he came to chapter 12, he writes much about uh, heroes of faith. He talks about people such as Moses and Abraham and Sarah and Rahab and Noah and how all these individuals endured under difficult pressure to give up their faith, to give up on God, but they endured to the very end. And he's saying to us, look here, men and women, don't give up your faith because you have the ability to be able to endure just like Noah, just like Abraham, just like Moses, just like Rahab, just like Sarah. Don't give up. Are you today faced with criticism at your place of work? Are people looking down on you because you stand on biblical principles? Are you being denied promotion? Are you being denied uh, success or whatever in life because you stand on Christian principles? Don't give up. Don't give up. Why? Look at Noah. That's what the author of the book of Hebrews say. Look at Noah. He is the one who was called by God during those difficult days and he was commissioned to build a boat in the desert and people criticized him. People mocked him. People called him all sorts of names. But because of endurance, Noah continued and continued. And in the end, he, pers he persevered to the very end in his faith. Are you about to give up your walk with the Lord because God has not answered your prayer? For the last couple of years, you've been praying for something. Maybe if you're a single person, you've been praying for a spouse. Maybe if you don't have a job, you've been praying for a job. And you are at the, at the verge of giving up your faith because God doesn't seem to be hearing you. The writer of Hebrews say, look, wait, don't give up. You remember Sarah and Abraham. They wanted a child. But God did not come through until much, much later in their lives. They persevered to the end. They had this invaluable gift or this invaluable uh, uh, character, uh, characteristics that, that, that we call endurance. So he says, stay in there. Hang in there. Are you faced with a temptation? 
Maybe you are in a relationship that is not a good relationship. It's completely outside of the will of God for your life. And you know it. And you know that God is telling you it is time to quit whatever you are doing because it's sinful to the Lord. But you are calculating and you are saying, if I leave this relationship, what will that mean for me economically? What will that mean for me socially? I, I, I just don't know what life is going to be without this relationship. Well, the writer of Hebrews would come in and say, wait a minute, you remember Moses. It was Moses who was confronted in the palace of Pharaoh with a, uh, with, with a decision to make whether to continue to live in this palace of Pharaoh and enjoy pleasures of sin and wealth and power or to choose to follow God and serve the people of God. We know that Moses endured to the end because he chose rather to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the surpassing or, or rather the, the passing pleasures of, of Egypt. And when we look at Moses' life today, we know that his endurance did uh, pay off. So the writer of Hebrews is saying that we can be able to endure because we have a cloud of witnesses, people who testify it is possible in our Zekana. That's what the author of uh, Hebrews is saying that. But secondly, he informs us in comparison or pointing out similarities between an athletic race and a spiritual race. He says that just like an athlete in a race needs to run light without too much weight, the same way a person who is running the spiritual life must also run lightly. Must put away any weight, any encumbrance. In fact, the words that he, he, he says is that, therefore, let us throw off every encumbrance or anything that is a hindrance to us. And then he says, and the sin that so easily entangles us. You know, when the runners in the uh, in the old Olympics in Greece, would run. They would uh, run as light as possible. They didn't put on bangles and all kinds of things that would cost them uh, or, that, or that would add weight on their bodies. They tried to run as light as possible. In fact, it has been said that during the 15th Olympic in 720 BC, an Olympian by the name Orispas was running. He must, this must have been a short distance race. He was running and uh, things that he had on his body, the garment that he had on his body that covered uh, most of his uh, body uh, fell off. But Orispas did not stop to pick up his clothes and put them on. He ran to the end of the, of, of, of the finish line and won that race, Adam. From that time, most Olympians ran Adam. They had absolutely nothing. And the idea was to run as light as one could. In fact, it was considered, listen to this, and to be uncivilized if you came to run an Olympic wearing clothes on. The author 
of the book of Hebrews, who lived in those days, picks up that. He doesn't condemn them for running nude, but uh, he picks that up and compares to our Christian run. And he says, just like these Olympians must put away anything that is going to hinder them from running as fast as possible, we Christian too must figure out what it is that we are putting on that is causing us not to run the race in the way that we should run. Perhaps for you, that encumbrance is your job. Because you see, the, the author points out two things. One, he says, encumbrance or things that we carry along. And secondly, he says, sin that so easily entangles us. When it comes to sin, it's obvious. Many of us know what sin is when it comes to us. So I'll not dwell on that. But what is encumbrance? What is it that is encumbrance? Encumbrance is anything that you are carrying along or involved in. It may not necessarily be sin, but it is something that is causing you not to run your Christian race effectively. Perhaps for some of you, it is your job. And your job is a hindrance from you running the race the way God designed for you to run. Now, when I say your job, I'm not referring to those, I don't know what to call them, but Christians who spend a whole, who want, rather, who want to spend the whole day praying, the whole day reading God's word, they don't want to go to work. That's not what I'm talking about. In fact, those kind of Christians, if they go in the book of Proverbs, the proverb will tell them, you've prayed enough, stand up, go work. Otherwise, you're going to, be, you're going to, to sleep hungry. I am talking about a job. You look at that job, and you know without any shadow of a doubt, you are a hard worker. But that job is a hindrance for you in terms of serving God, in terms of your work with God. The Hebrew writer would say, that's an encumbrance, lay it down so that you can be able to run uh, effectively. Perhaps it is a relationship. And uh, it's not an evil relationship. There is no sin in this relationship. But you can tell that because of your association with this group of people, you are not being encouraged in your spiritual work. They are a drag for you when it comes to running the Christian race. The writer of Hebrews say, lay that aside so that you can be able to run this race as easily and as fast as possible. Any runner who is going to run and win the race. They are going to win because they are running light. Any Christian who is going to run and win the race is not one who puts stuff on himself or herself and try to run this race. They will not make it. But thirdly, the third similarity that he points out is that uh, in the Christian life, race rather, and in the athletic race, we always, or the, 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 the runners will always run with a reward in mind. There's always a reward 
that is to be given to those that, that win. He says in verse 2, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and today sits at the right hand of the Father. You see, back in the old, when Olympians or runners would run, they weren't just running aimlessly. They weren't running without any purpose for running. In fact, that's why the Apostle Paul wrote in First Corinthians chapter 9, I do not run aimlessly. I run with a purpose. So they didn't run aimlessly. They ran because at the end of their running, if they won the race, they would receive an award. They would be given a reward for their, for their run. In those days, they didn't have a gold medal. They did not have a silver medal. They did not have a bronze medal. What would happen is if someone won a race, won a marathon in particular, they would take an olive branch, which they would twist it in a circle and form a, a crown out of it. That crown would be placed on the head of the winner, and that crown had significant spiritual, uh, had some, uh, some very important uh, spiritual significance for the Greeks at the time. It was important. But beyond just getting that crown uh, that, that they would get, if a person won a marathon, they would be exempt, listen, to paying taxes, not just for a couple of years, but for the rest of their lives. Can you imagine if, if you were to be exempted with the incoming government from paying taxes for the rest of your life? Wouldn't that be beautiful? The runners then knew that if they won the race, they would be exempted from, running, from paying taxes for the rest of their lives. Now that was something worth running for. The writer of Hebrews takes on that and he says we Christians have an even bigger reward to look forward to. In fact, he brings in the Lord Jesus Christ to give us an idea of what it means to look forward to the reward that is in store for us. Listen to what he says. He says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Then he says, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy, or some other versions say, who for the reward that was set before him endured to the end. He says, you look at Jesus. He endured the cross. He endured the pain of the cross because he looked forward to his reward. Now, what was Jesus' reward? Obviously, Jesus' reward was not sitting at the right hand of God. When he came to earth, he had been sitting at the right hand of God all, all the time that he had existed. So that was not the reward that he was looking forward to. You know what the reward was? Has Jesus carried that wooden, shameful cross on his back? Jesus was seeing your salvation and my salvation. We know that crucifixion was perhaps the most painful, the most um, uh, shameful, the most hard death to experience. But 
The Bible tells us that he was willing to endure that, carrying that cross, walking on that, uh, that hill of Golgotha. And when he did that, even with that pain, with that shame, he was thinking about your salvation and my salvation. In other words, he saw Pastor Richard Munala becoming a believer. And when he perhaps would be tempted to give up as a human being, he would say, I am going to endure because my son, Kelly, must come to the saving knowledge of our Savior because my daughter, Nancy, must become a believer and, uh, and have his her relationship established with God so that they will not perish but have everlasting life. That was Jesus' reward. Your salvation, all of you who are believers here, you are the reward that Jesus fought for, uh, 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 endured under pressure in order to achieve. And the writer of Hebrews says, look at Jesus and the way he endured. And he says, let Jesus be your focus. Let Jesus be the focus of your running. Because when you focus on Jesus, you are going to endure. Perhaps many of you uh, have heard the name Hussein Bold. You've heard the name Hussein Bold. Yes, Hussein Bold, for those of you who don't know, was uh, perhaps one of the best uh, sprint runners of all times. He was not Kenyan. He was Jamaican. If you, if you ever get a chance to watch some of his past races, you will notice that whenever they say on your marks, he's always looking down. As they say uh, on your marks, uh, get ready, he begins to rise up. And when the gun sounds, his head is always focused on the finish line. And I want to imagine the word in his mind. If you are in the stands and you are to call, bold, bold, your clothes are falling off or anything of that nature, bold will not turn to the left or to the right. He is focused to the finish line because he knows that if he's going to win, he must stay focused on the finish line. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, if you are going to win the race, you must stay focused and the focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. You may say, gosh, nobody appreciates my ministry. Nobody appreciates what I do. Nobody appreciates what, uh, my, my Christian work or the good things that I do. You stay focused on Jesus. Keep doing what is good. Keep doing what's right. Keep serving the Lord in the way that you serve. Because your focus is on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is he that you are seeking to glorify. And you know, as you continue to focus on Jesus Christ in your service, you will endure. Because you are not going to be looking at the left or at the right. Who is saying this? Who is saying that? You are going to be looking at what is the Lord Jesus Christ saying? But finally, he says that we are not just only to focus on the finish line, but to put in mind the reward that we are to achieve. What is that reward? The Apostle Paul alludes to that reward in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to verse 8. A passage of scripture that we hear quite often, especially during uh, funerals, and many of you have memorized it, and we use it uh, sometimes out of context, but this is what the Apostle Paul says. I have run the race. I have finished... Finished what? I finished the race, isn't it? I have kept 
the faith. And now there in store is a reward for me. And what is that reward? The crown of righteousness. Thank you. You are better off than the first uh, hour that, that we had. They couldn't answer, but you did. This is the best. This is the best. Don't tell the others I said that. I'll never be invited here. He says, I have this crown of righteousness has my reward. Notice that he's not saying that, that I will receive the crown of salvation. You know why he's, not, he's saying, I will, I will, I, I, he's not talking about the crown of salvation? It's because every child of God, every person who has ever accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior will receive the crown of salvation. Because salvation is a free gift. It was given to you. You did not have to work for it. It was given to you freely. But the crown of righteousness is not free. The crown of righteousness is what the Apostle Paul writes and say, work out your salvation with fear and tremble. It is what the, 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 the Hebrew writer would say, run with endurance. Because it is those that will endure, those that will run the race, that on that final day will receive the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness will be for those that endure and run their race, those that will abound in the work of the Lord, those that will not give up, those that will continue in their testimony to represent God to the very end. I have run the race. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And now there is a reward that awaits me. Is it waiting for you? May you stay strong in the Lord. Don't give up. Stay in the Lord. Keep running. Remember Moses. Remember Sarah. Remember Noah. Remember all these people and let them be a means by which you keep running like that energizer battery. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and may space shine upon you. Thank you.